I was fishing with a friend once who had become a Christian in China, went to a house church. His, his pastor in his house church has spent years in prison for his faith, and he said to me, it's harder to be a Christian in America than in China. I was taken back. I was surprised. Why is that? I said. His answer was surprising. His answer was, because in America you have so much stuff. I don't know that we understand that or think like that, but Jesus also believed that, that having stuff, pursuing stuff, is a barrier to actually following Jesus. And that's the topic we're going to take up in this episode of The Bible in Life. Well, hey, everybody, welcome once again to the Bible and Life podcast. So glad you're able to join me on this episode. Uh, before we jump into what I want to really discuss today, just wanted to highlight a couple of things. Uh, if you go to my website, johnwhitaker.net, there's some free resources on there that you can subscribe to, a Bible reading plan, a free little mini course to help help you really get started reading the Bible and praying on your own. And I just think that's so valuable, so critical, and maybe you haven't had this experience, but uh, in working with a lot of young people over the years, I increasingly got the question, look, people have told me over and over again I need to read my Bible and pray, but no one's actually showed me how, and I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. So that free little mini course on there is just my attempt to say, here's the why, Here's some uh, things that will help you do it consistently. And then I just kind of model one approach. It's not the only way. It's just some ideas for how to read your Bible and pray, or actually how to take a text of Scripture and pray through it so that your life can be formed by it, so that you can develop a friendship with God. So there's that on there. There's a reading, a Bible reading plan on there. Love for you to check those out. But really what I want to highlight is I also have some online courses. And so if you're looking to understand the Bible more, there's a course course on uh, kind of Bible survey, the big story of the Bible, and then what are the chapters in that biblical story, and how do all the Bible books fit into that? So if you've ever wondered how how this whole story of the Bible works, and really the way everything fits together, Bible survey is a great little course to check out there. I also have a Bible study skills course on my website, and I taught I taught a class on that for 20 years at a, a Bible college, and that little course, Bible Study Skills, is really about two and a half hours of video content that encapsulates about 65 to 70% of my lecture content from that course I taught at the college level. So a lot of really good material, just real hands-on. Let's give you the basic skills to read the Bible with greater understanding. So those two are on there. Coming shortly, I'm going to have a third course on core beliefs. It's almost done, should be done by the end of the month. And that course uh, really says, if you have the same worldview as Jesus, what do you believe? What do you prioritize? What do you value? And so going to deal with some of those issues. Who is God? What is God like? What does it mean to be human? What's wrong with the world? Where is history going? Those kinds of questions will be dealt with in core beliefs as we really look to have the same worldview as Jesus and let him be our teacher in life and in our thinking and in what we really believe and value. So those are on my website. Again, the address is johnwhitaker.net, johnwhitaker.net, and you can check that out there. All right, we are jumping back in today in 
into the Sermon on the Mount. We took a kind of a brief pause from that and dealt with some questions that grew out of stuff we were really wrestling with and looking at as we walked through the Lord's Prayer and some of Jesus' teaching on prayer. That just prompted some listeners to have some questions, so I just thought it was best to just push pause for a couple weeks and, and answer those questions. So hopefully uh, you found that helpful to understanding prayer a little bit more, maybe even just to encouraging you just to pray and to talk with God and live in partnership with God. That's what that was all about. Today, we're going to jump back into the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to pick up at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew 6, 19, and we begin there really a a new section. Um, And so let me just review the context and review where we're at so we can understand how this fits into the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Remember, the theme of the Sermon on the Mount is what Jesus said way back in chapter 5 when when he said that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, the, the religious teachers and some of the most religious people of his day, the scribes and the Pharisees, unless your righteousness surpasses theirs, Jesus said, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so the theme of the Sermon on the Mount is surpassing righteousness. And then after saying that, what Jesus does is he gives some examples, critical, vital examples of what surpassing righteousness looks like. Not only avoid adultery, but even avoid unfaithfulness in the heart and or unfaithfulness via ending your marriage and severing your vows or uh, not just avoiding murder, but what about anger and contempt that take root in your heart? And so he deals with examples of surpassing righteousness all through the rest of chapter 5. Beginning in chapter 6, what Jesus is doing is, well, he's taking up, here are some barriers, some very common experiences in life that really present some barriers to surpassing righteousness. The first one, the first half of chapter 6, deals with keeping up religious appearances, that your righteousness is only skin deep. You you do religious activities, religious things that the people in your Christian community, your community of followers of Jesus would applaud their hands and say, wow, that person's really spiritual, but it doesn't go beyond skin deep. You you do your daily devotions and you make sure people know that. You go to church consistently and you pray before meals, even at restaurants, but it hasn't taken hold of your heart and your heart isn't being deeply and powerfully changed. Surpassing righteousness is more than skin deep. Surpassing righteousness gets to the heart of the matter. And so that was the first barrier to surpassing righteousness, keeping up religious appearances. Here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus takes up a second barrier to surpassing righteousness. And that barrier is money and stuff and possessions and just wealth in general. And um, it's it's maybe hard for us to see how that would be a barrier to surpassing righteousness right off the bat. But as we listen to what Jesus says, we hear what Jesus believes, I think we'll begin to see how it is that money and stuff becomes a barrier to surpassing righteousness. All right, so let's jump in and let me just read through Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24 with some comments to try to bring that passage to life so we can hear what Jesus is saying. And then we're going to reflect on that as we try to understand how money and stuff is a barrier to surpassing righteousness and in an affluent culture like ours, like the American culture where I live, in in that kind of culture, this is very, very critical and important. But really, in every culture, the our pursuit of our fascination with and our interest in stuff 
stuff and wealth and money presents a real barrier to surpassing righteousness. So listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't store up, lay up for yourself treasures here. Don't make it your preoccupation and the quest of your life to acquire lots of stuff here, lots of material supplies and material wealth here. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Now we, in in at least American culture where I live, we probably haven't worried too much about moths destroying our clothing for a long time. Um, we don't worry too much about rust because we're so insulated from some of those sorts of things. We'll come back to that in a second. But what Jesus is saying is, is, is don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where it's just easy for those things to get ruined, for those things to go away and all of that because they're kind of temporary stuff. So don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth that are temporary and where thieves break in and steal, where, where your stuff is vulnerable and can and be taken by other people. Instead, verse 20, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures with God. When it says treasures in heaven, don't think so much in terms of the future life, although that's certainly included, like kind of God's layaway plan. It's certainly included in that, but in heaven refers to the place where God is, and where God rules, where God is king, and where his will is done. So, so make it your preoccupation to store up and, and lay up treasures with God, where God is, where neither moth nor rust can destroy, and where thieves do not, cannot break in and steal. And then Jesus says something that's very important in verse 21. He says, for, he gives a reason, he gives the basis or the reason for this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That your your heart and your treasure are always connected. Always connected. That the things you treasure is also what gets your heart. That the things you value, the things you think are most important, the things that you're preoccupied with, the things that you expend your energy on, both your physical energy and your mental energy on, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Because the things that you value and the things that you're, you're preoccupied with, that's what gets your attention and that's what really... Uh, energizes your will or captivates your will. The heart and Jesus' uh, understanding is, is not just your emotions. The heart is really the center of your life. It's sort of the control center of your being. It it's, includes your will in Jesus' thinking. The heart is the thing that drives your life. It's the motivational structure of your life. So for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you can see that. You can even see it with material wealth. People who are preoccupied with getting ahead, getting more. Man, they work longer hours. They're, they, they're willing to compromise maybe some of their values to try to get ahead and get that promotion. And right, The things that you value, whether it's money and stuff or something else, gets your heart. And so Jesus says, 
don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures on heaven because then your heart is aimed at heaven. Then you're pointed in the direction of heaven. So lay up for yourself treasures in heaven for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. And then Jesus in the next couple of verses gives a bit of an illustration that uh, may not be immediately clear to us, so let's just try to clarify it. He, the illustration has to do with your eye, and he says this about your, your eyes. The lamp of the body is the eye, that your eye is the lamp of the body. What he means is your eye is what lets light into your body. We all know that. Close your eyes, everything's dark. Open your eyes, and all of a sudden you can see, and there's light. So the eye is the lamp of the body. It's what let lights in. Right? So, if therefore your eye is clear, if it's healthy, if it's good, literally if it's single, we'll come back to that in a second, um, your whole body will be full of light. And so, if you have a healthy, good eye, guess what? Physically, literally, you can see your whole body will be full of light. You can see the world around you. Everything is bright and light to you. Um if your eye is bad, if it's unhealthy, if it's split, uh, your whole body will be full of darkness. If you've, you know, if your eyes are clouded over, if you're blind, you can't see, right? Then the world is dark to you. Okay. Now, what's the point he's trying to make from that? Well, that's true. Just physically, it's also true spiritually. It's also true for the direction of our life. And so he says this, if therefore the light that is in you is actually darkness. In other words, if what your eye is set on uh, and is supposedly supposed to be light because it's bringing light to you is actually something that's dark, then how great is the darkness? So your eye just literally and physically, is the thing that brings light into your body. But if your eye isn't clear, even if it's not single, if it's not focused on the right thing, if the thing that it's drawn to, seeking after, and pursuing is actually darkness, well, then how great is that darkness? Because you actually think it's light. You think it's light, and the self-deception now has seized you and gotten you. And so... Uh, we need to make sure that our eye, in other words, the thing we're focused on, the Apostle John in his letter refers to it as the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, the things that we're attracted to, the things we're seeking and looking after. We need to actually make sure those things are light, not darkness, so that we're not full of darkness. All right, now, with that, Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. It's just impossible. We've, we've maybe all experienced that when we've had a job where it felt like we had two bosses, right? We had two different bosses, our immediate supervisor and a, another boss or, you know, the manager and the immediate supervisor, and they're both telling us different things, and it feels like we're pulled in different directions, and one's upset us about this, and the other's telling us you need to do that. No one can serve two masters. It's just impossible. Um, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. It just, it just creates all sorts of tension and frustration. Well, money is a master. Wealth is a master. So Jesus says at the end of this section, you cannot, it is impossible to, you cannot serve God and mammon in this translation. You cannot serve God and wealth. 
God and possessions and money and stuff and assets. You just can't do it. It's like having two bosses. It's like having two masters. And you just can't serve them both. All right. That's the text. Now, let's just let's just reflect on this a bit because Jesus' teaching in this text is so, so crucial to us, particularly in Western societies where we just have access to so much stuff. And his, his teaching in this text is really based on his assessment of money and stuff. And so we need to hear what Jesus says and we need to look closely at how Jesus assesses money and stuff that underlies his teaching in this text. And so let's just look at the way Jesus describes money and stuff here. First off, he says it's temporary. It's fleeting, right? Moth and rust destroy it. It wears out. It comes and it goes. Clothes wear out. Styles change. Cars break down. Computers need replaced. Cell phones break, right? Stuff is temporary and it's fleeting. Another bit of Jesus' assessment in this text is that it's vulnerable, right? Thieves break in and steal. Um, Stuff, wealth is vulnerable, Um, It's susceptible to so many things, thieves in what Jesus says, or fire destroys your, your home and everything in it, right? The stock market crashes, the real estate bubble bursts, and you were hoping that that these rental homes would be your retirement plan. And now the real estate market uh, crashed and right. It's susceptible to so many things. It's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. Money and stuff is vulnerable. It's deceitful, right? The, The whole idea about darkness and if the light that is in you is actually darkness, you're, you're basing your hope, you're pursuing stuff, you're thinking it's going to bring you happiness, you're thinking it's going to do so much for you, but it's actually darkness. Money and stuff clouds our vision. It clouds our vision. And it can be blinding as we're constantly trying to get more, and that's all we can see, and that's all we can, we per, we can pursue. And money and stuff is a master. It's domineering. It can even be enslaving. It's like having another master in life. And, and you can see this in so many ways, right? The more stuff you get, the more uh, stuff you're worried about, and you're worried about if it's going to be okay, and you got to take care of that, and you got to spend time fixing that, and you've got this extra, right? And, it's, and it becomes enslaving, and now it's, uh, your heart is all tied up with it, and you're worried about it, you're preoccupied with it, you're, you're checking on it, you're making sure it's all going to be okay, and money is a master. It's a power that can be very domineering. That's Jesus' assessment of money and stuff. It's temporary, fleeting, it's vulnerable, it's deceitful, it's domineering and enslaving. That's his understanding. Do you believe him? Is Jesus right in his assessment of money and stuff? See, for Jesus to be our teacher and us to be his disciples, then we need to have enough confidence that he's right, that he knows what's best. So, Is Jesus right in his assessment of money and stuff about being temporary and vulnerable and deceitful and domineering? It's because Jesus believes those things about stuff and money that Jesus says what he says. Don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth. It's temporary. It's vulnerable. It's deceitful. It's domineering. It's not good for you. It's not good for you to make that the preoccupation of your life and the pursuit of your life. It's not good for you. Because Jesus believes it's not good for you, he says, don't do it. 
Don't pursue that. Don't give your heart to that. Instead, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures with God because God is faithful. He is good. You can actually trust him. He's the best master and pursuing his things actually brings the greatest joy. So, if you believe Jesus, if you think he's right in his assessment about money and stuff and you have confidence in his solution, you'll do what he says. You, you'll say, you know what? I'm not going to make having more and more and more, acquiring more stuff, constantly worrying about my stuff. I'm not going to make that the focus of my life. I'm actually going to lay up treasures in heaven. I'm going to lay up treasures with God and not in this world. So really the question for you and for me out of this text is, where do you entrust your heart? Where do you entrust your hopes? your dreams, your goals? Where do you hand over your your joy to and your peace to and your well-being to? Where do you think you're going to find the good life? Do you think you're going to find the good life in a bigger home, a nicer car, more stuff, a vacation home? Do you think you're going to find the good life with all of that? Or do you believe that Jesus is right, that that stuff is so temporary, vulnerable, deceitful, and domineering that not not that you can't have some of that, but you're not going to give it to your heart to that. You're going to lay up for yourself treasures with God in heaven, in God's safekeeping. Because you cannot serve both God and money and stuff. You can't do that. So you got to choose. Who are you going to give your heart to? Where are you going to lay up your treasures? In this world or with God? And because what Jesus knows to be true about money and stuff... His instruction here is actually very compassionate, and it's for our well-being. It's for our good. So I pray that you and I, we would trust him, and we would make the focus of our life laying up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right. God bless you guys. May you walk with Jesus. May you trust him more and more as you let him teach you about your life and about how to do life according to his way and his wisdom for your good. We will see you next time on The Bible in Life.